Addio, mia bella Napoli, addio, addio, la tua soave immagine, chi mai, chi mai scordar potrò. Ciao ragazzi e benvenuti to the 43rd episode of In the Shadow of Vesuvio. My name is Henry Bell. I'm sat in stormy Glasgow. Uh, sounds like a pornographic actor's name, but it's not. It's the current musical conditions. What a start. <laughs> what a start. Uh, uh, luckily, as ever, with me is my co-host, Kelly uh, Morelli, in... Naples in Napoli in the shadow of Vesuvio. I don't know if you can make a pornographic name out of the weather you're experiencing, but welcome. How are you? How is Naples? Hello, everyone. Ciao, Henry. Yeah, no, I don't know. Like I, I just told you, it's a very mild winter. I don't think mild winter sounds good for a pornographic actress, no? Maybe it's more very... mild winter could be a sort of 1990s erotic thriller, you know, sort of thing, rather yeah, than full yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, Whereas no, but think... it's true. Yeah, it's a very mild winter. It's warm here never been Ugh. never it's never gotten cold like it gets cold one day and then it gets warm for the rest of the week so yeah no it's been uh i mean it's it's a little bit worrisome but it's nice i have to be honest yes indeed and i am very jealous i've been very cold and then the weather gods have rewarded us after sort of minus seven for about a week with a week of storms. So thank you so much, world. Um, anyway, so here we are. We're back again. This is like so regular how we're seeing each other. Michele, how, how, how are you finding it? No, yeah, disturbing. Disturbing. Good. The thing that the, our listeners don't know is that every time we record, we see each other. And seeing you once a week is definitely too much. Definitely too much. Well, it's like giving seeing you... Napoli once a week is too much. Seeing you and Napoli uh, is, is like all together. It's, it's just too much. It's just too much. It's one or the other. Okay. Well, I'm very offended by that. So this is our last episode, 43. What is 43 in the Napoli Tombola, Michele? Okay. 43 in the Napoli Tombola is, I think, a pretty funny number. Uh, I've seen that there are two variations of this number there is one which is more um let's say mild politically correct and another one which is funnier so number 43 is in italian la donna al balcone la donna al balcone in italian in in english uh basically means uh like woman uh on the balcony come giulietta yeah, yeah, basically, Giulietta, yes. But there are two versions. So you can either translate this in Napolitan, which is Adonna al Barcone, pretty similar. Or there is another version, which is actually the one I've used the most. And I've seen I've seen around the most, which is Onna Pereta Foro Barcone. Now, Onna Pereta Foro Barcone conveys a little bit of a different meaning compared okay. to just woman woman on the balcony because onna pereta so pereta literally speaking pereta means fart in neapolitan okay so onna pereta literally again would mean like fart woman but that's not like that's not why it's like literally speaking that's what it means but metaphorically pereta is also used to uh, address especially women which are very gossipy um, okay these are women who 
Yeah. So the farting with their mouths, basically, with the gossip is coming out like a you fart. Can, you, can, you can say that, yes. So, yeah, this on a period of photo barcone would be, yeah, you have to picture. So it's like this. I picture her as a, like a 50 years old, 60 years old woman outside her balcony. And in Napoli, when you are outside your balcony, you're usually surrounded by a lot of people, no? Because, this, you know, the very narrow alleys and stuff. So when a woman is outside the balcony, it's also a picture of someone who wants to listen, you know, eavesdrop. Yeah, eavesdrop. Yeah, eavesdrop to yeah other people's conversation and stuff. So yeah, number forty-three is on Napereta Foro Barcona, which kind of means gossipy, uh, gossipy woman. Gossipy okay. woman, I think, is and, the correct uh, translation. And you love you love a rumor, Michele, as as long-time listeners <laughs> of this show will know. Are you calling me uh, on Napereta? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything to be upset by to be compared to a woman or a gossipy woman Michaela, that is true you know? but i only care about gossip when it involves uh napoli players that's important that's very okay. important but yes i'm a very much a donna pereta for a when it comes to when it comes to napoli players or their relatives true true uh and there are there are some things which we won't broadcast that we that we maybe spoken about off the show anyway yeah. so yeah Listeners, so again, the, the the season that continues to give us the gift of misery uh, continues. <laughs> um, so what we're going to do this week is we're going to consider the Supercoppa. Alessio Zerbin didn't become our hero, not like Maradona in, for Argentina in 1986. It was close. It was very close. close. If you squint your eyes, no. Um, and um, we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk a bit about some actual... You're going to love this show, Michele. We're going to talk a bit about rumours. Like, there's been a lot of noise about Jose Mourinho, et cetera, et cetera. So we could talk a bit about that. And I know you're a bit bored of talking about Victor Ossiman's desires to, to leave. Um, but it would be quite good to cover that. We've been given very clear instructions, Michele, by Dan Bowen. Hey, Dan. Hello, then. To not talk about food. All right. Then, so I think then, he's, he's, yeah. he's getting a bit homesick. Okay, that's fine. We're not going to do that. We're not going to talk at all about any food. Yeah. No even food. though, even though I've eaten a very different lasagna this week, which is like, it's the first time. So usually when you think, think about lasagna, you think about the tomato-based lasagna, right? I've tried two different lasagna. Uh, they were uh, uh, they were made by like a like my girlfriend's aunt, which is like, she's very good in the kitchen, and uh, she, she made this lasagna with pumpkin, pumpkin mushroom and sausages, and Ooh, you know when she did quite wintery sort of flavors. exactly. I thought you know, honest to be honest when she told me you know do you want a pumpkin lasagna I said yes but out of courtesy. I didn't yeah. want to say yeah. I said, yeah, okay. I mean, sure. I mean, I mean, yes, I, why not? Yes. And so, yeah, I've, uh, I went there and I asked for seconds. There was a delicious lasagna. I didn't know. I did. And that's probably my fault because maybe it's very common. I don't know. But I had no idea that such a lasagna existed. And I also ate some like greenish lasagna, but that was, that wasn't as good. I don't know what it was inside. I like, so maybe what's too- this? What's this um, pumpkin lasagna called? Does it have a particular name? 
I don't, I have no idea. I, I told you like before, like three or four days ago, I had no idea such a dish existed. I think it's just pumpkin lasagna. I don't know. Oh. I don't even know if it's, I have no idea. I just know that it was delicious. And yeah, yeah, well, so much for not talking about food. There you go, Dan. <laughs> you can enjoy your, your chlorinated chicken in America whilst <laughs> Michael is eating his pumpkin lasagna. Uh, we do love you dearly, though, Dan. Hope all is good. Um, and so, Super Copper, as you may have noticed, was not in Italy. It was in Saudi Arabia. Um, there we go. Money talks. Yeah. Uh, so, where did you watch the match? Um, who did you watch it with? I watched it at home with my father, my brother, with my family. I didn't feel like I didn't feel like going out. I actually also because in the pub where I usually go watch games, especially away games, there is a interfan uh waiter. And uh oh, yeah, God. we are I mean he knows me and I know him and he always makes fun of me and I make fun of him. But yeah, this would have been the night where he would have would have yeah had a a wonderful time making fun of me and my my pain and my suffering and I honestly can't stomach that so I decided to to stay home and yeah maybe it was the right decision it was probably the right decision there was a painful game to watch and did this so let's did my first question is did this feel in the anticipation and etc like a cup final good question how did you feel in the build-up? Because we've had some glorious supercoppers before in the past that were some of the kind of weird highlights of the of Napoli's modern history. How did you feel in the build-up to this? That's a good question. I don't think I felt too too much stress, too much anticipation, especially because we've been too bad this season to have any kind of I don't know. Maybe I, I mean that's just me. That's just me. But I don't like. For me, I think I've said it before. The season is over. The season, like after the Roma game, I mentally I switched off. You know, like I don't think, and not because there is not like, like people. When I say this, people tell me, yeah, but we are just three points uh, far from the fourth place, and that's fine. That's true. But I mean, first of all, we are three points behind Fiorentina, which is in the fourth spot you know it's mm. not like we are you know we are competing it's not like this is one of the worst seasons in terms of points of the De Laurentiis era in Serie A mm. so that's objectively a very bad season um, w- when we hired Sar- uh, Mazzarri I said Sarri there that was a Freudian slip that if was ever definitely, I've heard yes definitely well okay never mind but yes I agree when we hired Mazzarri again I think the hope, everyone's hope was to turn it around, no? Uh, to start competing, not just for fourth place, but for something more. Like, and I, I mean, I don't think that happened at all. I mean, you can tell, you can, you can, it's clear that that doesn't happen. I think, in my opinion, after we uh, lost in Rome against Roma, any chance, any hope of turning this around went away. I think that was maybe the turning point for the season. If we won there, I think the players would have gained a lot of confidence. And I, in my opinion, there was the last chance to actually start to believe that they could maybe come back to last season's performances. I We lost in Rome badly. And yeah, that's for me, for me, that's not gonna, we're never gonna, we're not gonna turn it around anymore. So that also influences how I, uh, you know, my pre-game 
stress, my pre-game uh, yeah. expectations. And yeah, this time I was, to be honest, it's not like I wasn't excited at all because in when it's a final, it's just one game and it can go both ways. And it would have been so great to beat Inter, you know. Imagine. A, yeah, yeah. But it didn't, it's interesting, isn't it? The reason I asked it is, like, you know, I felt kind of similar and I think it's quite revealing about our season, isn't it? That there was the Supercoppa, which, okay, it's weird, it was in Saudi Arabia, it's a new new format and all that stuff in terms of the four teams. Um, and yeah, I, it's always fun to beat Inter and actually Inter are playing so well at the moment uh, that if that wouldn't that just be fun to pull that rug from under their feet? But it didn't feel like the anticipation of the... What was the great Supercoppa? We beat Juve, right? Was it like 2012, maybe 2011, something like that? I think, no, I think it was in 2015, maybe. Because Uh, it was with Benitez. Benitez, yeah. And that was... um, Because we won the Coppa Italia in 2014, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, that was immensely satisfying. I remember really looking forward to that game. Whereas with, with this one, I sort of, you know, had my expectations put in check. And I think we're not alone, you know. How about how about your dad, your old man? Like, how 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 was he before? Yeah, no, this, it's the same. I don't think it's very hard to get excited this season. Yeah, uh, yeah. we said it so, before. You know, coming up from last season's very high highs, now yeah. it's it's hard to get. Even even though you know it's a trophy, and yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, fine. But yeah, it's it's just you know. Yeah, even against Fiorentina, like yeah, we won three nil, but we didn't play convincingly. We did have classic Mazzari game, which is yeah. defense and counter attacks. And I I do agree with the ones who are saying yeah, but we cannot play beautiful football this season. I agree because this season is just it's you know it's a it's a completely different season. It's a, it's an exceptional season, which means that only the only the three points count. You know it's as long as we win doesn't matter how or what but as long as we win it's it's fine especially because we're not building a project right now because we know that Mazzari is leaving at the end of the season anyway exactly and I think um, so the, the anticipation was sort of met in the performance on the pitch then you know the, nothing is entirely negative it was a much better defensive performance. There was it really spoke to what you were saying last week about how players care. Like it's not like people aren't running. It's not like people don't seem to be, you know, making any effort. You could see that in abundance actually in this performance. Um, but also it shows you how far we've fallen and how much damage Garcia did, I think, because the confidence is so... What what Mazzari is doing is like what a manager would do taking over a team in the relegation zone, right? Like, what's the first thing that you do when you take over a team in the relegation zone? You sort out the defence, right? You have two or three nil-nils in a row, build it up, build it up. And that's basically what Mazzari is doing right now. We're the champions of Italy. Isn't that crazy that essentially we're behaving like a club that's in the relegation zone with the champions of Italy. And what I saw in that Supercoppa, which I did watch this time, I'm not a plastic. Um, Wow. Good on you. Yeah. Well done. I watched the cup final. Yeah, you watched the cup final. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Best Napoli fan. (laughs) Exactly. He needs a tattoo. Um, 
you know, we went in and um, played like a team in the relegation zone. And that's just, it's for me just really depressing. But I made the mistake, Michele. I began to hope, and I'm not, this is an exaggeration. I started to hope 10 seconds before Simeone got sent off. I was like, I think we might nick this, actually. I think we might actually nick this. And then bang, red card. And then I began to hope again yeah. about 30 seconds before Inter scored. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, think, I think we all went through that. Even though we didn't play a good game, it was quite balanced, I think, for most of the game until the, the red card. You know, like we were definitely the weakest team on the pitch, but it's not like Inter was doing wonders. You know, it's not like they were dominating the game. It was pretty even, like boringly even, let's say. Mm. And yeah. yeah, then and then and then we know what happened after that. A lot of people are blaming the ref. I I see why. I just struggle to do the same. I don't know. It's I was somewhat surprised by how vehemently people were blaming the referee for for our loss. I, I I mean, I don't think we lost because of the referee. Maybe we did. I don't know. Because, we, again, it was pretty even. I don't think Simeone deserved the, the red card necessarily. And probably Chalanoglu deserved the red card before Simeone. Stood, I think there was a lack of balance, wasn't there? I think like they both probably should have been sent off. But I yeah. think a, a team that's playing better isn't as dependent on the referee. You know what I mean? Like if we were yeah. playing like, like we were last season, yeah. we'd be recording a podcast saying, wasn't that ref a bit weird? But it was also fun to be into 4-0. You know, um, whereas because we're playing so badly, uh, we become more reliant on a perfect yeah. game from a referee. And we all know that that doesn't really happen. Or if it does happen, it's maybe once or twice a season. Yes. So I well, think... Said. You know, as fans, we're noticing it more, perhaps, than we would have done last year. Um, and then it's just horrible to see. And like, I remember you talking a couple of seasons ago about the Milan Scudetto celebrations and how hard that was to watch. And just the the immediate reaction post-match was really actually, it surprisingly hit me in the stomach because it sort of reminded me of, you know, the Scudetto celebrations that we were enjoying relatively recently but in reverse and just think how far and how quickly we've fallen that was sort of actualized in the inter celebrations you know yeah yeah i mean i didn't watch any of it as soon as the game ended i, I switched it i switched the television off and i went to bed i didn't want to see any <laughs> well i lasted about 10 15 seconds but that was it that was even that was like ah. i couldn't i couldn't I couldn't stomach it, but yeah, no, it was it was it was quite sad. I, I think I mean we're all hoping for the penalties because there was no extra time. Yeah. We were five minutes away from penalties, which I'm sure we would have we would have failed miserably anyway because we are not very good penalty takers. But you never Terrible. know, you know, yeah. you never know. Like I think, I mean, it's it's kind of a lot. It, it's called like, like a lottery, you know, like the pen in Italian in Italy they say it's a, the la lotteria dei rigori, the penalties lottery, because it's kind of random kind of but yeah. yeah i mean you never know golini played a very good game i think so maybe he would have surprised us at penalties too but yeah it was a, it was a again a disappointing performance even though like i can tell i mean it, it was pretty even and it is true that that's good but it was yeah. still disappointing in a way because we didn't shoot on goal anyway it was a very 
like the best thing I can say about that performance is that it was decent defensively. Oh yeah. And but, Golini yeah. was excellent as well. And yeah. but yeah, the positive of that is it's the mindset of a team in the relegation zone. You know, it's like any yeah. cup tie that you would see with a much smaller team, solid at the back, they might nick it on the break, and then they get a slightly dodgy ref and they end up losing against the bigger team. And that's fine if it was 15 years ago or 20 years ago or whatever. You know, we can understand that. We can say, you know, all those players, they play for the shirt, they play for the badge. They really tried and well done. And Mazzari was funny on the sidelines, waving his hands around. But too, last season's too soon for us to be thinking like this, don't you reckon? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, it's uh, it's easy. Well, I wouldn't say it's easy, but, you know, it's easier to defend well when you defend with a five-man defense line and you play with a 5-4-1 four, four, or something close to it for most yeah. of the game. So, I mean, it, it is depressing to see, you know, the champions of Italy playing like that. Yeah. Uh, it's just very depressing. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's not. I don't think we can do much better than this, which is also depressing. Uh, at the end of it, you know, at the end of the day, the reason why I don't feel too confident because I've read some optimism around, you know, around the internet and some people told me that it's just that, yeah, I mean, the expectation was to get humiliated by Inter, maybe, because Inter is way better than us this season mm -hmm. and we didn't get humiliated. So, yeah, let's celebrate. I don't know. I don't see, I don't see it as a nah. cause for celebration and most of all, I don't think... I don't see a clear path towards a better future for us, you know, in the short term, obviously. I'm talking about this season. Mm. I don't see how, yeah, I mean, we're conceding less, that's true, but we are struggling a lot to score. And yeah, we scored three against against uh, Fiorentina, but... Yeah, but those last two were on in the last bit of the game and Fiorentina were chasing a cup game weren't they so like I don't think it's it's easy to score two goals you know three goals when you played Zerbin you know so Zerbin is is leaving now so it's uh, yeah we're gonna be Zerbini less I don't um, know how we're gonna cope without the second best player to play for Napoli you know? yeah, but we'll yeah. we'll survive um yeah I think there we go that's the Supercoppa um thank you Hope for briefly re-entering me but then, you know, there's a wonderful painting by what's it, Singer Sergeant, I think, a pre-Raphaelite painter called Hope. And Hope is a sort of blind woman with a harp. And I think there's like one string on the harp. And it's quite a grim painting. And I, I saw it, it's at the Tate Britain in London. And I remember going to see it. And when I first saw it, I thought, this is a bit of a depressing painting for Hope. <laughs> and then, you know, watching Napoli, you understand Hope is depressing. Hope is desperate. Hope is blind. Hope is what you have when you have nothing else. There we go. What a podcast. <laughs> Buon anno. Uh, <laughs> um, Amazing. <laughs> anyway, talking of hope, um, Jose Mourinho apparently is meeting Aurelio De Laurentiis this week. Nah. You think so? I don't think so. This is, this is the rumours. How would you feel if... Um, Mourinho took over in the summer. Nah, I don't even want to picture it. I mean, what's why? Why would we ever do like it's a, it's a manager in a clear downwards trend, and 
it's expensive as hell. So I really don't understand, like, what's why would we sign Mourinho? I don't understand that. It's but it's pure really... ADL. It's like he, he hired Ancelotti, he hired Benitez. He's brilliant at hiring these managers at the wrong moment. Obviously, Ancelotti has since gone to Real Madrid and done brilliantly. But um, I think it would be classic ADL because he doesn't really understand modern football, does he? So he'll bring in... I mean, to be honest, it seems like the two big names are Conte and uh, Mourinho that are floating around. Both of them actually aren't particularly progressive hires, are they? Um, I can I can see this happening, Michele, and I'm I'm obviously would not be very happy if that happened. Um, how would you think it would go down in Naples in in the city if uh, ADL hired Jose Mourinho? No, I don't think there is anyone, not even one fan who's in favor of Mourinho coming right now. I, I really don't think it's the right choice. I don't see not even one reason to hire this guy. I don't think it's a, I think it's a baseless rumor. I don't believe it. I think maybe what happened is that they offered Mourinho to us and out of courtesy, we are saying yes to a meeting, but I honestly don't see because it doesn't make sense on the technical level. It doesn't make sense on the financial level. You know, it was cheap Mourinho, then I mean, I still wouldn't do it, but maybe I would understand, like even considering it. But it's a bad manager for a very expensive salary, so I really don't, I really don't see it. I really don't see. It. We need to build a project, and Mourinho mm. has just been like literally the week after he's sacked by Roma. Like we we think about hiring him. It's like it's how how much clearer it needs to be that he's not a good manager for us. It's been. It's, it's, it's been very bad in his last in his last jobs and Roma yeah, was we so need something bad. better. Yeah, it was we need interesting. Someone with ideas, you know. Exactly, and I think um, it was interesting. A lot of Roma fans were getting quite chippy actually about Napoli this season, which I was quite confused by because I was like, okay, if we're playing so badly, you're literally at the same level as us. So why don't you look at your own house, you know, uh, before you start to look at us? Um, no, I mean, I completely agree. Um, so talking of building a new project, we've been signing some players. I don't know if there's anyone who's come in. Who's, I mean, obviously, the problem that we have on this show is that we just watch Napoli. So, you know, it's quite, we're not we're not player scouts. No, but, um, not at all. What are your feelings about this Mercato, if you've got any? <laughs> I don't know. They have good surnames. I particularly like the name, the surname Popovich. I think is the maybe the funniest, best surname we've had in the last fifteen years. Popovich, amazing surname. Why is that? that so... What's that? Popovich. What's Popovich. funny about Popovich? I don't know. Popovich. I like. I like. I don't know. It sounds. It sounds well. Popovich sounds good. Popovich. I love it. The, ah, the sonic quality of the yes, word. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because I have no idea what this player. I I had no idea they existed until they were linked to Napoli. So I can only comment <laughs> how their surname sound. And I do think Popovich sounds amazing. Popovich. You're sounds really getting nice. content here, listeners. You know, so yes. actually the reason why that's like you've got your two <laughs> plosive consonants, you've got your pa, which has an end with with a with a soft consonant sound. Mm-hmm. Popovich. Yes. Popo. Uh, very Shakespearean. Um yeah. Gonje, but... I have no idea. Traore, I have no clue. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's I don't know, man. Like we're giving these players to Walter Mazzari, you know, so I don't I don't have much hope for that. It's 
it's it's it is also like on one hand I do understand why we're signing these players because this is basically the last train for the top four, you know. So mm. it and if we miss out on top four, which means Champions League, which actually means the new Champions League, which is way richer, it brings in more money and stuff. So because it's got if, that big league structure now, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So if we miss that, then it's gonna be. It's gonna be a big deal. We are we are financially speaking, Napoli is pretty solid, but that doesn't mean that we can afford to lose on 60, 70, 80 millions. Uh, and it becomes a bit of a spiral downwards because you miss one, it's harder to recruit exactly. good players, and then you end up like Roma. Um exactly. yeah, so I do understand. You no, know, I agree with about the fact that we need to sign players now. It's now or never. On the other hand, though, we are signing players which are going to be handed to a new manager. And we don't even know who this manager is going to be. So, you know, the potential for these players to be useless and to be wasted money, it's quite high because yep. we don't know what the lineup's going to be. Are we still going to play with a 43, you know, 3-5-2? Who knows? So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it, it is tricky. I do appreciate the effort. Contrary to popular belief, I do think that De Laurentiis actually spends money. Yeah. Uh, it's usually, not always, but usually in terms of players, he's always spent. spent like, a lot of money on Aussie men as well. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like, that was a huge amount. I think um, the thing that worries me, because I'm like you, I don't watch very much outside of that. Although I'm enjoying the African Cup of Nations. Great tournament. Really enjoying that at the moment. Um, but I don't watch a lot of stuff outside of, of Napoli. The thing that worries me is the sort of where these players play so like if you look at what's wrong with the team like we need a central defender we need maybe to spruce up the midfield and you know we got we got wingers attacking midfielders and a defender that's going to go out on loan to Frosinone straight away so I'm not sure how much this fixes the immediate short term which isn't necessarily bad because like it's a project but we know that this is not a club that's sane we know this is this is this is not a club with an infrastructure this isn't a club that thinks ahead that has earmarked a particular system of play and has five coaching candidates to take over in the summer that can then work with those players um you know so that's my concern perhaps it's all a bit performative it's there to to appease the fans and to be honest it kind of does i mean it gives us something to look for at least we're going to be like in the Lazio game, you know what are what are these these new guys going to look like? You know that's something to look forward to, I suppose. Yeah, but I don't think he really cares about the fans. I've told you this many times. It's true. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't like. He said it so many times that he really cares about Champions League. Like his number one priority is to qualify for the Champions League each season because, and not just because of the prestige of Champions League just because of money it's money you know like we don't Napoli is not a club which has very high revenue and they are mostly you know with the exception of last season which you know saw a very high increase in revenue from you know t-shirt sales and and Mm. sponsors and stuff like that we actually don't have a lot like high revenue the majority of Napoli's revenue comes from TV rights which it is tricky because TV rights depend on performance, yeah. uh, except TV rights for Serie A, which I know, uh, unless you end up finishing 15th in the league, 
they are more or less the same. Uh, I think Napoli gets about 60 millions per season from Serie A, something like that. And we we can get up to 80 millions from Champions League. Again, we're gonna change they're gonna change the Champions League formats. There's gonna be more games and more money, but uh up yeah. until now we've gotten we've usually from a good Champions League campaign, we've earned about 80 millions. And I'm not even just this is just TV rides. I'm not even considering you know the tickets, you know, ticket sales yeah. and stuff like that. Player sales as exactly. well. Exactly. Exactly. So so Napoli, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So Napoli absolutely needs the Champions League money. We don't make like we up before last season, I think we used to make about um between 10 and 20 million per season from ticket sales. That's it. We used to make about I think about 50 million per season from sponsors. And yeah, I mean something like 20 or 30 million from you know shirt sales and just general merchandise. This is not a lot. Spoken Isn't... like a true business graduate there, Michele. Like, believe it or not, I've been obsessed with these numbers for a long time. And just just with Napoli, not in general, just about just about Napoli. It's just that it's these numbers have been very stable, stagnant, you could say, for many, many seasons. And that's what I like my blame of De Laurentiis originates from this. We mm. haven't had any any structural growth in terms of revenue in many, many years, with the exception of last season again. And hopefully that's gonna that's gonna, you know, uh, bring something in the long term. Or but... at least insulate us against what could be a disastrous lack of qualification for the Champions League if we can get back yeah. in straight afterwards. Um yeah. okay. Other stuff that's happened this week. Really sadly, um, Gigi Riva, the legendary Italian striker, passed away. Um, and got me thinking. You know, Gigi Riva is well, he was from Liguria, right? And he had an interesting childhood that was, I think, quite tough. And he ended up basically, you know, obviously playing for Cagliari, winning the Scudetto in 1970, and becoming adopted really by that island uh some really beautiful quotes that that you can look up of him talking about how he couldn't abandon his people by going to Juve or or Inter and obviously I spent a lot of time in Sardinia and if you mention like Gigi Riva to anybody there they talk about him as if he is one of theirs you know um like people who don't care about football that I know in Sardinia in tears at Gigi Riva's passing on the same day that Victor Osimhen is giving interviews to like all the English-speaking media, The Guardian, mm. CBS, talking about how much he loves the Premier League and all this kind of stuff. And I just thought this is an interesting juxtaposition of, of how the world has changed and how the game has changed. Um, do you think Ossiemen could ever have been, you know, the Gigi Riva of, of Naples, do you think, Michele? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I don't want to say he's overrated, but... It's, I mean, he's going to be remembered as one of the, you know, the greats, I want to say, but in my opinion, not a legend. Yes, we won the Scudetto with him, but, you know, he wasn't, for me, he wasn't like the absolute star of the, you know, of the of the team last season. We, yeah, I mean, people say Osimhen and Kvaraxelia, they were for sure the best players we had in the team. 
but they weren't that far ahead of all the other players we had, you know, like Lobotka and Kim, you know, I think it was very much a team effort. We... And therefore, the, the star, really interesting looking back, is yeah. Luciano Spalletti, really. You know what I mean? And because of, he's gone and the tattoo and all that, I think if there's an icon of that, of of the Scudetto season, it's it's the mister for me. But anyway, that's just, no, no. I'm, I'm a plastic. Yeah, you are a plastic, but I agree with you. I don't know if that makes me a plastic too. I hope not. But yeah, no, I agree. I mean, we said it many times. It's it's clear, you know, even if you just look at the players' performances, you know, before before Spalletti, Lobotka was uh, a very fat guy who, who wasn't that good in on the pitch. And yeah, we blame the his marriage and we've praised his divorce for the it's reason <laughs> being the reason why he he started playing well, or maybe it was Spalletti, you know, maybe it was 50-50. Both had a similar Divorce impact. Divorce and Spalletti. Exactly, exactly. Yes. Yeah, probably that's true. That's that's right. But yeah, no, it's clear. I mean, for me, yes, Spalletti was definitely... I mean, you, you can tell now, you know, it's... We are mm. gonna... The funny thing is that after Spalletti left, De Laurentiis was trying to find a coach, right? And the only thing... Like, he was trying to find the closest coach to Spalletti there is on the market. So his first condition and probably like the biggest condition for all the managers he interviewed was, are you going to play with a 4-3-3? Which is hilarious to me, you know, like, what do you know about football, De La Rente? Like everyone <laughs> plays with a 4-3. There's different kinds of 4-3. Mamma mia. Yeah. So uh, I guess he, he found the first guy who said yes to the 4-3-3 and he found the first guy who said yes to to, I don't know, his salaries so yeah that's uh that's and that's how we ended up with garcia yeah yeah exactly so i think um well let's see but i I think we know ossium ends off and i just don't see why he needs to talk to the media as much like just sort out your transfer keep your head down score some goals and thank thanks for helping us win a scudetta um and I think maybe long term, who knows? Yeah, will maybe. he be seen on the same way as Cavani and Lavezzi and Hamza, even and Mertens? Even though these people didn't win the league, they might be remembered more fondly long term because of the way that they left the club. Perhaps I don't, I don't know. No, it, it's hard. You know, I do think that is kind of similar to Cavani in some ways, mm. um, in terms of how he's handling. You know, this his contract and stuff like that. Because Cavani also, um, like, what I appreciated in a way about Cavani was that he never said, I'm going to stay here forever. Like, every yeah. time he was asked about his future, he always said, you know, we never, you never know, you know, I like Real Madrid and blah, blah, blah. He never, yeah. like, it's still, it was still painful when he left. But, I mean, everyone was expecting it. And like Aussie men, the, the, Season before leaving, he renewed his contract with the release clause. Yeah, so they got the money. Yeah, yeah we made, which made it absolutely clear that his intentions were to leave and yeah. at the same time, you know, make good for Napoli, make good money for us. So yeah, yeah he's gonna leave. I I think Osimen is um, probably. I don't want to you know, I don't want to assume too much about him on a personal level. But I do think that Osimen is comes maybe his background makes it so that he's really attached to money. But maybe even 
not just money, money because it means success. I do think he's obsessed with being, you know, like very successful or being perceived as successful. And that all, that means that, you know, like Napoli is a great place for him to be, but he needs to go somewhere else to achieve this success. I think probably mm. in Nigeria, Premier League is very popular, I would assume. I have no oh, clue. Oh, absolutely. But I, no, yeah, there's a really assume. good um, chapter in David Goldblatt's book, The Age of Football, that is all about sort of globalization of football and how it's interesting in, in sub-Saharan Africa, the domestic leagues are really under threat because more people will watch the English Premier League in a bar than they will go and watch their uh, domestic teams. Yeah, like, no, there in, you go. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I mean, again, I would recommend anyone to just go to the John Obi Mikhail podcast interview with Ossie I think he spoke brilliantly about his upbringing and his background, and quite beautifully at times talking about how actually it's all he's he it's all success now that now he's managed to get himself and his family out of poverty. Um, fair enough, you know, fair enough. But it's I mean, he also need to, it needs to understand that it is not very nice for a Napoli fan. Yeah, we yeah, lose, yeah. you know, the day we lose the Super Cup final, we have to read about Osimen giving interviews saying, I've decided my future, you know, I'm going to say yeah, exactly. whatever. I mean, it's, you know, it's already gone. You know, it's, it's yeah. like what's like for me, I wouldn't even, yeah, we need him. So, yeah, let's come back. But basically, he's going to come back in the middle of February and he's going to leave in the middle of May. You know, his last game with us is going to be in the middle of May. So that's like I don't three think, more yeah. months. There's not going to be riots on the streets of Naples when when he goes. Um, okay, so we thought we'd try and keep this to about 45 minutes. Um, looks like we might. Do you have a Neapolitan expression of the week, Michele, for us? I do. I have an expression of the week, which is which is basically linked to what we just discussed. It's mostly linked about... Uh, it's linked to... Um, that's Aussie men and, you know, a little bit about <laughs> De Laurentiis as well, to be honest. And, always, uh, yeah, always. It's, it, the thing is, the thing is, I see a good Neapolitan phrase, and yeah, I mean, it's appropriate for the week, but it's it just like I think about the Laurentis after that. It oh, often it applies to him too. The phrase, so, of the, yeah, the phrase of the week is "cavocca chiusa non trasano mosk." I repeat, "cavocca chiusa non trasano mosk." In Italian, it would be con la bocca chiusa non entrano mosche. Did you get it? Yeah. Okay. So in English is with your mouth closed, flies do not get in. So that it's it's actually it's actually a very common. It's like some some of the phrases we have on this show, they are quite obscure in the sense that they do exist, but people don't really use them, or maybe they never heard of it, which is kind of the beauty of the Neapolitan sayings. Because those are basically known just by grandparents, you know. I don't know how many, how many sayings, uh, Neapolitan sayings have like my grandparents have told me over the years, and every time it was something new, and every time it was something I never heard before or since. And unfortunately, yeah. I forgot most of those because it's like it was once. Like again, I pretty much had my Neapolitan phrase of the week. With when my grandparents were around. And, Excellent yeah. preparation for this. Exactly. Yeah. Too bad I forgot all of them. But yes. So the fly. Uh, what is it? The the mouth and the fly. So what's what does yeah. this mean? Okay. So yeah, this phrase is actually quite used, you know, in everyday life, and it means that, uh, 
it's it's basically a way to say that uh, if you don't if you uh, don't have your uh, mouth open then uh, you're not gonna say you're not gonna make a mistake let's say it's, it's oh, a little bit hard to it's a little bit hard to no no that makes translate sense translate that so it's like yeah keep your mouth shut if you want to keep the flies out sort of sort of thing yeah 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 it's uh, yeah so basically yes be careful what you say and if you don't know if you're not careful then just just close your mouth all together so bad things will not will not come out of it and Do you want to uh, give, yeah, it, think... give it to us one more time Michele, so we can hear the beautiful neapolitan language once more yes so the phrase is I've also heard it in uh, it will be like close your mouth otherwise flies will get in and uh, you you just yeah you I mean it's something you jokingly say to to people when you maybe see them with their mouth open like mm. looking at the horizon you know it's like close the mouth you know it's just a meaningless repetition of the phrase but the actual meaning is uh yeah, don't like close your mouth if you don't want to say too much, if you don't want to make a mistake with your words. And uh, yeah, that's this week it applies to to Ossiman. Mm. Usually it applies to De Laurentiis. Every week is it applies to De, De Laurentiis. Exactly. Even though, even though, you know, what, we, what he said after the loss in in the in the Super Cup final was quite interesting. I think it was one of the very few times that De Laurentiis didn't speak in a horrible way. He didn't make too many damages yeah. and uh yeah it was it was interesting it was like it's actually maybe we have to talk about this in the next episode because i found it interesting how he found a way to criticize the referee without actually criticizing it it was like i don't want to be in his shoes but he didn't yeah. say that he didn't say like he he, he wasn't good it was like he they're getting so many you know so many critiques uh this this season and Probably this game won't help. I don't want to be in his shoes, but it wasn't a direct accusation. And that's interesting, you know? That's very interesting because if you know De Laurentiis, you know that he's usually not very shy about this. He's not very subtle. He doesn't understand the nuances of of communication, perhaps. Exactly. Um, Exactly. Wow, maybe he's learning. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, let's not get too carried away. So... um, Right, Michele, you're we can find you, can't we, on on the Twitter at, at Napoli Tickets, right? Yes. And you were saying, do you have a preferred way of people getting in touch with you these days? Yeah, no, if you for ticket inquiries, I'm still very much active when it comes to, you know, tickets. Hence my Twitter username, Napoli Tickets. Uh just the best way to get in touch with me is uh, by via WhatsApp, not on Twitter, because Twitter handles messages very badly. It's just very hard for me to to follow you know to find messages between you know among all the spam messages and it's just very hard so you're gonna find my whatsapp uh, number in the links in bio on twitter cool, cool, so that's cool. easier yeah and there's uh, also at michele uh gnt which is your your more sort of personal account yes um i'm at henry bell culture this is at shadow of vesuvio and um part of the uh, far from vesuvius network production by rafa rispo check out rafa's new new pod we're on the same feed and uh well let's see how we get on uh, against lazio and forza napoli Sempre.